Welcome to Account-Based Marketing. This podcast is designed as a collection of conversations with sales and marketing leaders sharing thoughts and practical tips for growing your most valuable customers. Hosted by me, Alicia Linden, founder and CEO at Momentum, the B2B growth consultancy. Welcome to this episode of Account-Based Marketing. We've seen a growing trend in organizations investing in sales enablement and marketing leaders also building programs to, to better support sales enablement. So I thought it would be fantastic to be joined by an expert on the topic, Liz Harrison, partner for McKinsey in their marketing and sales practice. Liz, welcome. It's wonderful to be here. Great to have you with us, Liz. You've worked in a, a few different continents. You've worked in boutique consulting firms and you're, you're now working at McKinsey. Can you s- start by telling us a little, little bit about your role and, and where you're focused? Absolutely. So I, I think at the highest level, I work with organizations across industries to help think about growth. And typically that right now is, is focused on how do you sell in a time of COVID when go-to-market has shifted so radically? New sales roles have been introduced, new ways of selling and we're also, as, as you mentioned in your intro, seeing a, quite a, a big change in the role of marketing, especially as we think about B2B interactions. So that's where I'm focused. It's a rapidly changing area. I also have the chance within McKinsey to lead our research on B2B decision makers. So this is research that we invest in. We've been doing it for many years and get a chance to really be at the forefront of how customer demands are changing and the implications that that has on B2B sales and marketing. Fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to unpacking that with you today in, in this conversation. You, you touched on it there in, in your introduction, and it would be great to, to get your take because we, we've seen so much of the buyer journey shift to digital over, over the, the, the past few years. And, and if anything, it's it's only been accelerated. How have you seen shifts in, in organizations in terms of their go-to-market? What, what have been some of the biggest changes? I think that the biggest changes have been around the pace of change. And so I guess even if I take a step back, omni-channel selling or selling through digital and in person is nothing new. And this has been the way of B2B sales for many years. What has happened, especially over the past 18 months, is the rapid introduction of new sales roles. And you can call it what you want. The most typical term is hybrid sales. And so these would be traditionally outside sales reps that now mostly sell remote. There's this new sales role that's been introduced. B2B organizations across the board are setting up e-commerce at rates that we've never seen. And now you're having to, in a much more profound way than ever before, manage these different routes to market in a way that they don't compete with each other. And we are actually finding a lot of organizations that we work with are having to manage channel conflict and in figuring out what is the role of e-commerce versus hybrid sales versus my traditional routes to market in a way that they never have before. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, you, t- you touch on a point there about this this newly formed um, sales role, and and you know how, how do you balance some of their engagements with with things like e commerce? How have you seen organisations really upskill and and, and build that muscle? Because I, I I meet key account directors who are fantastic at relationship building and you know great in in person with clients, and and on the other side of the sales spectrum, you have BDRs or inside sales reps who have always been remote. Uh, this this new hybrid demands a different skill set, surely? Yeah, it absolutely demands a different skill set. And I also think there's a piece of it around a different incentive structure. I don't think anyone has completely nailed it, just to to put that out there. I I think many organizations are still learning the required skill set of the sales rep of a future, as well as the ideal incentive structure. The changes that I have seen 
most work is around experimenting. So there's more team sales than ever before. Hybrid sellers need to pull together a team of experts that can all join you know, a video sales call. And, and they used to be more single sales reps. So a lot of organizations, again, are, are experimenting with split compensation, knowing that it's more of a team sport. There is more investment in capability building than we've seen than we've ever seen before. And so I think it's, again, it's a bit of a journey. We know incentives are a big deal. We know targeted training is a big deal. And a lot of organizations are still figuring out the clarity of what exactly is the mandate of a hybrid seller versus an inside seller versus a key account manager. I, I don't yeah. think anyone has, has figured it out. You talked about this channel conflict and, and making sure that you know you're not bumping into each other. I, I've always thought a, a human personalized touch is more trustworthy than than some of the digital channels. What what advice can can you give to our listeners as, as they think about how to best balance digital interactions, e-commerce based interactions versus the the individual sellers talking to customers? It's a really tricky thing to figure out the the ideal balance of. And I think it it all comes down to understanding where in the customer journey does digital play a role? And by that, I mean self-service, you know, un, unguided by a sales rep versus in-person versus a remote selling. The rule of thumb is that wherever you are in the B2B decision journey, a third of the time customers want self-service. They want to completely do it on their own. A third of the time they'd prefer remote and a third of the time they want in-person. And those percentages will vary by industry, by type of sale. And so it, it all comes down to saying if a B2B customer is purchasing something for the very first time, more often than not, they're going to want to do some of their research self-serve, so uninterrupted by the sales team. But as it comes down to really wanting to deeply compare options when it comes down to negotiating, there the in-person touch matters a lot. And then as we get later in the journey, when they want to reorder, and maybe they've even you know subscribed and it's, a, it's an automatic repurchase, there they can return to more of that self-service digital model. So it, it's a balance along the journey and being very clear both as an organization and to your sales team when each of these different channels need to play up or play down. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, what, one of the trends that we've seen in enterprise buying, so thinking about the global 2000 is transparency is more critical than it's than it's ever been. And in, in this hybrid world, I, I suspect something that's hard for customers to, to really get their arms around when, when they're talking to vendors and suppliers. What, what, what's your take, Liz? Transparency has radically changed pricing for many, many different industries. And I, I, I'm my general observation is that the transparency is more often than not driven by smaller players introducing kind of comparison sites that provide a lot of rich details around pricing and allow allow you know customers to compare and contrast and that has then to some extent forced transparency among some of the the larger players so that's been the general trend I actually think hybrid selling and the ability to share your screen in a remote environment or the ability when a customer is talking to a seller in a remote environment to actually have the information of you know, Google at their fingertips, I actually think transparency has increased in, in hybrid mm-hmm. selling. I think it will continue to increase. And I, I, I think it, it plays a big role in how, how sellers negotiate, knowing that you know, customers more so than ever actually have a lot of comparative information at their fingertips that they may not have in the past. 
And do you think that transparency, um, it's also about buyer sophistication? It, it feels like lots of customers and prospects are much more sophisticated when it comes to approaching the, the, the buying cycle. They're, they're better informed. They're, they're armed with you know, more, more capabilities themselves in terms of how to navigate their own buying, buying journeys. Yes and no. I think we have seen a general trend of B2B customers becoming more sophisticated and knowledgeable over the past you know, years. And that has had big big implications on when and how they need a sales rep to be involved in that initial research stage. I mentioned more often than not, B2B customers want to do self-serve, do the research on their own. And that's because they're empowered to do so. They don't need to rely on a sales rep to tell them the the range of options. Mm -hmm. I would say at the same time, with the introduction of a lot of technology and services overlaid with more traditional B2B products. So think of the rise in telematics or monitoring software or you know precision um, precision equipment there's a lot of complexity in in what b2b customers can buy and I, I think organizations that realize that for some things that they sell b2b customers are going to be really familiar with the content but especially for new software new technology they may not be comfortable and may actually be afraid to ask some of the basic questions Organizations that have figured out that those are actually the opportunities for the sale, for the seller to be incredibly valuable in the research stage, mm-hmm. those are the ones that are w- winning right now. So I, I don't think it's fair to assume that B2B customers are sophisticated across the board. Um, there, there are certain areas where, this, where the sales rep can be incredibly valuable in that research stage. Yeah, I'd lo- love to talk a little bit more about that in terms of how you, you, your sales reps could also be developing unique value propositions for for customers because that that's always been a, a barrier to revenue. You know, if your sellers can't articulate their their value or the value of the the, the firm to a customer, the the sales stalls or um, the opportunity um, ends up becoming blocked. Have, have you had any experience in in how to equip sellers with with, with those custom value propositions? Absolutely. I think arming sellers to be able to communicate not only the unique value proposition of their company, of the specific product or service, but also of themselves is incredibly critical. There has been a big push in not only being able to articulate the value prop, but to quantify it and to quantify how well they have delivered on the value proposition as a way of engaging with customers throughout the year. So I've seen some organizations literally say for every product, service, you know, repair, warranty, dep- again, depending on the type of sale, here's the value that you will get from doing business with us versus others. Let's check in three months from now, another three months from now, and see well, how well we're collectively delivering on that value proposition. Uh, so I, I think it's absolutely critical. And those that are quantifying it and using it as a way to engage with customers throughout the year are the ones that are, are using it to its fullest advantage. Thinking about sales investment, and you talked about capability building, um, we, we've seen a, a big uptick in sales enablement. What, what do you think is driving firms to invest more um, when it comes to their sellers? Is it about the, these new roles that are forming, or is it about equipping them to, to sell in a, in a different world? It's all of the above, plus two additional forces. Mm-hmm. The, the role of data and being able to get smart on your customer, the unique you know, selling situation is critical. And sales enablement teams have a really powerful role to play in enabling sellers with as much data about the customer and situation and value proposition as possible. I have also observed across organizations that more so than ever before, 
sales, marketing, sales enablement, to some extent, um, finance operation, these functions, which previously existed in a bit of a siloed fashion, are being forced more so than ever before to collaborate together because of hybrid selling, because of these multiple now meaningful routes to market, marketing and sales now have to work incredibly closely together at multiple stages of the journey. And sales enablement, you can think of them as a bit of the glue, making sure that all these cross-team interactions happen, making sure that sellers have have data and information at their fingertip. It's, a, it's an incredibly important role. Yeah. You, you talked a little bit earlier about how selling is, is changing and it's more of a team sport. Um, how's that impacting uh, sales enablement? Is it is sales enablement le- needed less because you're bringing all your experts together or is it needed more because you now have experts and subject matter specialists involved in a, in a buying process that that may not be sales savvy? The team sport comment, I just want to talk a bit more about that and then I'll get right, right to answering your question. When I mentioned the increase in, in team sport, very specifically because you can now sell via video, I don't have to get on a plane and fly across the globe to be part of a sales conversation. So instead of, again, having one person, I now have five people on a call. And by the way, some of them could even be my head of R&D, my chief commercial officer. I have absolutely the best experts in, in, in that discussion. And so because of that dynamic, I would say that sales enablement needs to play less of a expert role and more so of a coordination role making sure that all the right people that should be showing up are showing up, making sure that they have the context, making sure that they're prepared for the conversation and being that facilitator of of bringing that the best of to that customer situation. But my, my sense is because of hybrid sales and because of of team selling, I would assume that there's less of a need for sales enablement to be the true expert in every topic. Yeah. I mean, we've definitely seen sales enablement focus heavily on content and you know, value proposition enablement, insight and, and training. What do you think the, the diet of sales enablement will look like as, as we head forward into the next year? My sense is there will be a huge focus on leveraging all data available about mm-hmm. the customer in the situation and ensuring that marketing and sales are working together and coordinated throughout the effort. I think there will be a big focus on ensuring the right type of experts are brought in at different stages of the journey. I could also see sales enablement, and this is not something I've seen broadly, but as as I'm kind of thinking out loud here, I could also see sales enablement playing a big role in in owning the end-to-end customer journey, understanding for each customer they are at this stage in the journey, and therefore this set of interactions would be ideal, and playing the role of ensuring that you know, again, the right individuals, the right channels are used with the right value proposition and insights along each step in the journey yeah. and kind of pulling out to sales or marketing if they if they see something that that is that's not aligned with the ideal. I really love that idea of that almost the conductor in the orchestra, yeah. which right now feels like it's falling between stools, be it marketing, sales, CX type type roles. Um, so it'll be interesting to see see how sales enablement develops in, in that way. What you just said really struck a chord because I actually feel there's been such a focus on understand the customer, get mm-hmm. customer insights, build this 360 view. And a lot of organizations have done that and they've mapped out customer journeys galore. And it's beautiful, but... but it's beautiful. <laughs> but then who owns it? And it, it's actually... Actually, is this tension between is it is the sales team that own it? Is it marketing? Is it customer experience? And I would have to agree with you that it it is starting to fall through the cracks because there's mm-hmm. lack of clarity on number one who defines it who and who approves that that's the ideal. 
who then monitors it and then who then makes the execution happen, it's it's unclear in a lot of organizations. Yeah, I think part of the struggle is that selling and, and marketing into accounts is, is a bit like a, a soccer game, isn't it? Where marketing and sales have to be passing the ball to each other as they head down the field. Um, and, and the challenge is that unless that ownership and charter sits sits with someone, it's, it's very easy for channel conflict, as, as you described it earlier. Absolutely. I mean, there are challenges around ownership. I think there are also challenges around visibility. So very few you know, B2B organizations, you know, if a, if a seller, you know, logs into their CRM of choice, they're not always able to see that this, you know, customer XYZ received these specific marketing communications and had outreach from this inside seller. So, you know, if they don't have that visibility at their fingertips, it makes it increasingly difficult to stay coordinated. So there's both a, a challenge around decision rights and clarity around, you know, who makes what call, but also a lack of information to enable that that cross-functional coordination. I think that sort of bat and handoff has definitely been been broken and and you're, you're absolutely you've hit, hit a nerve there in terms of access to data and information. It's very easy to lose things in the system where you've got multiple touch points and, and multiple handoffs. This problem will increasingly hamper organizations that don't figure it out because at the same time organizations are struggling with with this, we're finding in our research that B2B customers are demanding personalized marketing outreach more so than ever before. They don't want a generic email. They want it tailored to them on multiple facets, not only their role, but their industry, the stage where their company is and thinking through an issue. Mm -hmm. And so there's this demand for personalization. We've actually found that companies that performed, outperformed their peers over the past 18 months did more personalized marketing. So we have a proof point that it works. Mm-hmm. And so you couple the the increasing demands in personalization with customers with this inherent complexity in decision rights and lack of visibility in B2B organizations that are trying to serve these customers. And I could foresee these 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 two sides coming together in, in not a not a great way if if companies are not in investing in this clarity of decision rights and 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 data. Very quickly. Yeah, I mean, so much of that that personalization, or we often call it contextualization for, for accounts, because I think sometimes with marketing, there's a tendency to, to say personalizing is putting on a company name or a, a, a kind of bit of creepy personalization of a company logo. But actually, it's as you talked about their role, where they are in, in as an organization, where they are as a, as a function and really talking about their, their specific position. Absolutely. And as, as you're seeing, you talk, talked a little bit there about marketing and obviously buying is is getting more complex in these b2b organizations these buying teams are continuing to grow if sales can't talk to every stakeholder should marketing be playing a bigger role in in live opportunities and then further down the funnel i firmly believe that in order for b2b marketing organizations to be credible they have to interact with customers when marketing sits in a ivory tower so to speak in corporate and they are so far removed from the customers they are not necessarily like the the content that they produce is not necessarily you know grabbed by the sales team and and, and they're not going to run with it because sales will think marketing is disconnected from reality so I, I fundamentally believe sales need to in- interact with customers full stop I do think then to your question around you know, there, there's only so many hours in the day. Most organizations have some set of segmentation and prioritization of their customers, and you know, the highest priority customers are going to get sales team time. What happens with that longer tail? And so I absolutely think there's a need to interact with the longer tail 
Should that be the role of an inside sales team or marketing? I think it depends based off of organization structure. I've, I've seen both work. But, but what I would say is I think there needs to be a very deliberate marketing and sales approach by customer segment, active reprioritization of when does this customer get the key account you know, seller and this type of marketing outreach versus another option. But I, I do think going back to you know, my initial statement, I think marketing, inside sales, all roles that somehow touch the customer have to have the opportunity to interact with the customer and also deeply understand what customers want. Um, I think dissemination of insights, you mentioned that sales enablement in the past has played a big role in developing insights. I think that all roles that interact with a customer to some extent have to be very deeply rooted in customer preferences, the latest research and insights. I, I just think it's a really critical um, critical ingredient in, in success going forward. Yeah, it's an interesting point. We hear that a lot from accounts, customers, prospects. They, they want to hear fresh insights, a huge source of innovation, new perspectives is, is now coming from suppliers. Is, is that something that can be enabled? I absolutely think it can be enabled. And I think sellers demonstrating value when they interact with customers will be critical. One of the reasons why you know, we see that some customers don't want to interact with a sales rep is that it's faster and more convenient and effective for them not to do so, which means that the seller is not incrementally adding value for the additional you know, hassle, let's call it, in, in having to set up that media and interaction. It's just faster for them to Google it themselves, for example. And so I, I, I think getting back to your original question, arming sellers and marketers with fresh insights around customers is absolutely doable, but it requires targeted investment and focus from B2B organizations. I think by and large, B2B has a huge opportunity to invest more heavily and deliberately in primary research. I think more often than not, you know, customer insights is a side project that happens once a year. It lives on a few PowerPoint pages, gets sent to a few folks instead of primary research being something that is updated on a quarterly basis, is disseminated broadly, is a huge focus of capability building and you know, sales team discussions. I, I think there's a long way to go on that, on that dissemination and enablement, but it's, it's absolutely critical. We've seen a huge amount of that. I think focus is is the key word there that, that you touched on. It is it's almost if you're researching and you're you're mapping the market and you're looking at everybody, and and we've seen so many marketing and sales enablement programs broadly looking at industries or geographies, um, but actually they lose all the there's no color, there's no fresh insights in in that. They're looking at they're almost staying at the macro level, and and, and your point about primary research and the customers themselves is is really where where all the detail and the, the nuances come through. Yeah, it's a really important point. And I, I think similar to marketing, insights teams also need to connect with the customer directly in order to have credibility. And I actually think there's a, there's a real important cross-functional effort to set the research agenda that's needed. So it should not be just your uh, your research team kind of survey designers or your, your focus group facilitators, they should not be the ones that are figuring out the key questions and topics to ask. You know, the key questions and topics should be developed jointly with sales, with marketing, with 
the most senior leadership in the organization and executed by the researchers. But the, and then the distillation of the insights, what does this mean? Again, that has to be a senior level conversation that's cross-functional. The setting of the agenda and the what does this mean, I think there's a real step change in the level of seniority and cross-functional engagement that's required in those steps. It cannot just live within the researcher insights function alone. No, really strong point. I think this has to be an integrated effort. And what about executives? We're, we're seeing that in, in US-based firms, um, enterprise organizations, they're much more open to switching vendors or suppliers if they have executive engagement for, from the vendor or supplier. Have, have you seen executives want to be enabled from a, a selling perspective? Are they more engaged in, in sales enablement or is there some way to go? Overall, I have seen an increase in the number and variety of different executive roles that want to have some part in the decision-making process. So what I mean by that is if there is a you know, software decision to be made, typically that would live with the chief technology officer. I've seen more so than ever before that other executives ranging from you know, the CMO through to you know, the head of HR and the CEO also want to play a role, get educated, interact with the, with the potential, um, potential software, you know, company options, because they see that, you know, that software decision will have implications on their function as well. It's not just a, a technology decision. And so I, I think because of the increase in technology purchases in particular, there's a need for B2B organizations to involve a wider range of executives. And that gets back to that contextualized point that you made, that the way that you engage with a CMO is going to be very different than a CTO versus a CFO versus a head of HR. They're going to be different things that matter to them, different and unique value propositions, different types of sales reps that will um, connect with them, most likely. Um, and so I, I, I think this then heightens the importance of sales enablement and playing that coordinator, that quarterback, that orchestrator role to ensure that the right types of materials get to the right executives, because it's no longer a single executive, you know, will make the decision. I, I remember the the old days where an exec was about to go and meet another exec and there'd, there'd be a briefing document and he'd skim through the sort of first two pages and then go and have a conversation, but would, would almost you know, start back at the beginning as opposed to turning up briefed and, and almost an oiled <laughs> sales process. It, it felt a bit stuttered. Uh, do you think we, we've moved on from there? I don't think we will ever move on from the importance of relationships, especially at the most senior level. And there will absolutely be some decisions that are made, you know, quickly uh, based off of historical relationships. I do think we will continue to see the trend of a broader range of executives involved in the decisions, incredible thoughtfulness in how those decisions are made, and increased willingness to compare options. I, I think all of those things will hold true. But the, the importance of executive level relationships, I also don't think that will ever go away. And there's been a lot of conversation, lots of talk around uh, how how much harder selling and marketing is getting. We, we've also seen and heard from customers. It's actually getting harder for them to buy. Uh, have, have you seen any examples of where B2B organizations are actually enabling their customers to do the, the internal selling? Is, is that a trend that you're seeing? So we've observed a trend of, and I'll kind of go back to the, the previous topic about multiple executives being involved in a decision. 
I've seen some organizations empower a, let's call it an advocate role. So if the CTO, for example, is a big fan of a certain software purchase, that software company could enable that executive to be able to pitch his or her colleagues on, on why to go forward with this purchase. And so they actually are going to enable the, the, the CTO to be able to go talk to the CMO with specific you know, value proposition points that will resonate with them. And so what happens in the situation I'm describing is the B2B company sells to the CTO and part of that sell is enabling the CTO to then sell to his or her peers. Um, it, it's, it's something that is not done at every B2B organization, but I think those that are really evolving their model and, and succeeding are, are knowing that they need to enable executives to be able to convince their peers that this is a good decision and provide them with the materials to do so. Yeah, fascinating. Lot, lots to come. If we look look ahead to to the, the coming few years, what, what do you think the single biggest um, change will be as, as we look to transformation of sales organizations, marketing organizations, sales enablement? What, what are we going to see? I think the single biggest challenge, and maybe it then is linked to the single biz- biggest change, is around sales and marketing talent. And there are multiple flavors of this of this challenge. There, there's one flavor, which is it's becoming increasingly hard to hire and retain top sales and marketing talent. Multiple marketing executives that I connected with, for example, mentioned it was so challenging them for them to hire the people they needed to stand up their new or larger marketing organization. There's not, they didn't exist. Um, And so I I think because of this challenge of talent acquisition and retention, likely the single biggest change will be a redefinition of what it means to be a seller. Back to your original question, what will be the skill set of the seller of the future? I think that will be redefined over the coming years. I think what it will take to be a B2B marketer in this integrated omni-channel hybrid sales world will be redefined. And I I hope and I expect there to be a pretty radical shift when it comes to talent acquisition and, and retention, especially when it comes to, to sales and marketing roles. But I think, again, talent will be the name of the game for success over the, the coming years be interesting to see how how the talent piece plays out marketing's been on a huge transformation in the last 10 or 15 years it feels like selling and, and sales roles have, have also shifted and in, that's only just accelerated in the past 18 months so uh, lots more to come what, what's your single biggest piece of advice Liz for any revenue leader out there in b2b that's that's looking to transform their organization and build build the right muscle um, to help them grow be bold now is the time to experiment to test, but you you have proven or and the data would bear out that companies that made bolder moves during time of huge change are the ones that have outperformed their peers. And I, I would just say be bold, open up a new channel, experiment with options, figure out how to deliver a truly omni-channel and integrated experience to your customers, and don't expect that the status quo will be what's needed for success going forward. Fantastic. Be bold. I'll take that away from from this conversation. I really enjoyed the discussion, Liz. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you so much. See you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Momentum, the B2B growth consultancy and pioneers of account-based marketing. You can learn more at wearemomentum.com.